Welcome to HealthCast, the heartbeat of health IT. I'm Alexander Bolova, production lead at GovCIO Media and Research. With me today are managing editor, Ross John Fortune, and staff writer researchers, Jayla Whitfield and Nikki Henderson. Hi, everyone. Hello. Hi. Hi, Alex. We've covered AI here on HealthCast in bits and bobs, but we haven't had a dedicated conversational episode on the topic. So we're going to take today's episode to really dive into what AI means specifically for public health. I think we have a pretty good sense of how we're using it with ChatGPT, how your uh, niece or nephew is using it to write essays at school. Uh, But how is this actually applying in a practical sense from a healthcare perspective. So we're going to start with an overview of AI at various health agencies, followed by an examination of specific use cases. And rounding it out will be a little forecasting from Ross about what's ahead in this space. But let's get started with Jayla. Jayla, can you talk us through how AI is being used at various health agencies, giving us a bird's eye perspective. Yeah, of course. Well, you know, emerging technologies are having an overwhelming impact on patient care and health service delivery. For many government industry leaders, artificial intelligence is top of mind. And when we break down what agencies are using it and how, it's several agencies, actually. Um, Just to give us a little bit of broad look, so the Substance Abuse and Mental Health Services Administration, they're actually looking to implement a chat bot to act as a virtual assistant, which will help patients find answers around mental health and substance use addiction crises. But there's also the way that CMS is using AI, and they're using it to tackle fraud, waste, and abuse. Um, So that's also through the machine learning to find potential fraud that would not be apparent to the human eye on a normal or regular basis. And then you have agencies like the Department of Veteran Affairs. They're trying to figure out what best ways to use it, but they definitely see AI as what they quote say, the next frontier of healthcare. And you know, an AI can help at the operational and the clinical level for many of these healthcare agencies, and it can help at scale. So those benefits can go from everything from natural language processing and helping reduce that doctor nurse burnout that we see happening a lot. But I also would like to go into the challenges because just because these agencies are using it, it doesn't mean it's coming easily for them. There's definitely some roadblocks that they're facing along the way. Um, And one of those is that healthcare leaders aren't experts at AI. AI is not something that's just very simple to learn. It's ever-changing. There's a lot of pieces of the puzzle. So healthcare leaders are learning just like many of us. In addition, the adoption of AI and the amount of experimentation that has to take place is overwhelming. It's not just a one-size-fits-all for every single agency. So every agency has to really tap in and see how they can use these resources best for them. And then it comes into the investment of AI, the funding. Um, I'm sure many agencies know for offhand that money is a problem with many issues that come along. And with AI, it's still the same case. There needs to be a huge investment in this in order to see what could really come from it. And then lastly, 
I would like to talk a little bit about the cybersecurity threats that come from AI. You know, in healthcare, it's really important to protect the patient data, but AI is something that can increase those cybersecurity threats that the healthcare ecosystem already faces on a daily basis. So that's something that experts are also concerned about. But definitely, you know, as all these challenges exist and as agencies start to implement this, there's definitely more good that outweighs the bad. So I'd say um, agencies Agencies are definitely getting their feet wet and they're working to use AI at the best of their ability. Thank you, Jayla. That was a great overview. Now that we have that bird's eye view, let's narrow down a little bit and look at a specific use case at the VA. Dickie, can you tell us a little bit more about how AI is being used at Veterans Affairs? Yes, it's a very exciting time at the VA right now. It's interesting to see the role that artificial intelligence is playing when it comes to improving healthcare for veterans um, around the nation. According to the VA, 9 million veterans are receiving enhanced treatments and other health benefits thanks to AI. And it's also interesting, they had a recent study that showed some component of AI is actually being used at more than 100 VA medical centers um, right now. So that's really amazing. Recently, at an AI summit in Washington, D.C., the Assistant Undersecretary for Health for Discovery Education and Affiliate Networks, Dr. Carolyn Clancy, she talked about how AI is relatively new, but they're putting the technology to work for veterans and most importantly, um, for their employees. Clancy said that the VA is currently applying six key principles of responsible AI, and I just want to highlight them uh, for you real quickly. AI must be purposeful, doing no harm, and not sacrificing efficiency for accuracy and safety. AI must be effective and safe with all systems designed and monitored to ensure accuracy and safety. AI must be secure and private with built-in resiliencies against vulnerabilities and focused on ensuring privacy and data. AI must be fair and equitable. AI must be transparent and explainable. AI must be accountable and rigorously monitored. So um, those are the key principles, like I said, that uh, the VA is focusing um, right now um, and applying ethical, um, responsible AI. Clancy said not only is AI showing a lot of promise in areas like cancer prevention, as well as treating and diagnosing cancer, which is huge. Clancy also talked about how AI is helping to build those clinical decision support tools for conditions like chronic pain and kidney disease. It's also aiding in the areas of cardiac and vascular surgery and image-based tools for things like radiation. So overall, AI seems to really be helping to bridge the healthcare gap uh, for veterans and providing them with the best outcomes and giving them just a great quality of life. And how wonderful is that to have a technology like AI be so beneficial to people who have sacrificed so much for their country. So it's it's really an amazing thing. Thank you, Nikki. 
So looking ahead at the future of AI in public health, what should we be looking out for in terms of how it could potentially be used? And maybe more importantly, what challenges or concerns should we be aware of so that we can tackle them preemptively since, you know, we are dealing with real human lives in this AI application. Ross? Well, so as Jayla mentioned, you know, there there isn't a one-size-fits-all solution for AI for any agency or set of agencies because AI is a tool just like any other tool and its adoption needs to be tailored to the needs of any particular uh, agency. But I, I think it's fairly obvious that AI is definitely going to become a part of agency operations, um, even though it is still fairly new uh, in government. So because of that, it needs a lot of oversight by people. You know, in the spring, uh, we talked to, um, for GovFocus, uh, we talked to Gil Alterovitz, Director of NAI AA at VA, and Dr. Samir Antani, who's a principal investigator uh, at NIH at the National Library of Medicine. Now, what they told us about AI is something that has become a concern in the health sphere, which is bias. And AI is not above that. I know that's sort of been a common refrain, I think, by some of the most enthusiastic cheerleaders about uh, algorithmic processes and, and things like AI and machine learning is that it's not biased. It doesn't have the same kind of bias that you or I have by its common experiences, but the common idiom goes garbage in, garbage out. So if you have a biased process or a biased algorithm, or more importantly, if you have bad or biased data, the results are going to be pretty biased. It's going to be inherently untrustworthy because you have these sets of data that may have been acquired uh, improperly. It may be a small sample size. It might be distributed asymmetrically. So if you only have one part of a population or you only have one geographic set or you have one age group, you know, that's not going to go out the whole way and track to the entire population of any particular given set. This is an issue with all research for sure. But you have to make sure that the biases are corrected for because you, you don't want to be in a situation where you're where AI is spitting out bad data because it is following um, a bad road. And I would say the other thing that, that I think we need to understand about AI as a tool in healthcare is how much it is being used and how much adoption is going to be part of public health, because it's, as Nikki mentioned at the VA, they're using it for all kinds of different uses, including diagnostic uses and clinical care. But research is, is going to be a big part of it as well, because as we know, computers can process information much, much quicker than we can. Again, as I mentioned, you got to make sure that process and the actual um, algorithm and the AI that is, is programmed correctly so it doesn't spit out biased results. But clinical research is going to use AI as a tool just as it does any other tool. At our Health IT Summit, NIAID CIO Mike Tartakovsky, you know, sort of compared it to any other uh, research tool, microscopes, radiometers, whatever. 
AI will be part of that, uh, just as any tool in the toolbox is a part of it. If it's used judiciously and it's you know done responsibly, I think we're going to really see the adoption uh, throughout the health agencies uh, in the public sphere sooner than you'd think. Thank you, Ross. Well, AI is not going anywhere, and I think we can see that it is an exciting opportunity, not one without concerns, but certainly worth pursuing in the pursuit of medical development and saving patients' lives. So thank you, Ross, Jayla, and Nikki for joining me today. Listeners can tune in in two weeks for a brand new HealthCast. But until then, if you like what you heard, make sure you leave a review and a five-star rating on the podcast platform of your choice. And hey, tell a friend if you like the show. We always appreciate growing our audience. I'm Alexander Bolova. I'm Ross John Fortuna. I'm Jayla Whitfield. I'm Nikki Henderson. Thank you for listening. HealthCast, along with GovCast and CyberCast, is a production of GovCIO Media and Research. For more podcasts and to check out the other shows, head to govciomedia.com. Watch out for new episodes released every Tuesday and Wednesday across our shows. You can follow all of them on your favorite podcast platform. And if you like what you heard, make sure to let us know by leaving a review. And if you have any topics you think we should look into, contact us at newsletter at govcio.com dot com.